and this is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free at 855-453-FREE. It's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And here with you tonight, it's Ian. And Bradley. And Julia. All right. So uh, freetalklive.com actually allows you to control the content of the website. You find something online that you think's interesting, just drop on by freetalklive.com and you can submit it as show prep, as we call it there. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com, the place to go. And then uh, what, what you do is once it's created as show prep, then other listeners and you can vote on the different items on the site. The most voted up, make it to the front page in the top of the site. So see what I mean by heading on over to freetalklive.com and get interactive there. Uh, coming up here tonight, a uh, friend of the show, Carlos Miller, being watched by federal, uh, well, by the Department of Homeland Security, will explain what's going on there. He's uh, just a blogger who supports openness and recording the police, but apparently he's a, also a domestic terrorist threat. Well, if you stand up for the Constitution, you're clearly a terrorist. Clearly. But first, we're going to go international here and talk about the most insane, one of the most insane places on the face of this planet, and that is, of course, North Korea. I don't know if it is the most insane place because there's some pretty crazy uh, places out there, but it's probably in the top three. Uh, All that said, it certainly is nuts. And if you've ever learned anything about North Korea, you probably would agree. Uh, it's, have either of you seen any documentaries or any information about North Korea? No. Quite a few, actually. I was oh, actually, really? I was thinking about traveling there. You can do it if you get a special permit from the uh, government there. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like the Cold War never ended. Yeah, it's, it's really like, uh, going to North Korea and obviously I haven't gone, I'm, so I'm just going off what I've seen, but it, it's like stepping back into 1950. Yeah. Uh, literally, the technology is almost frozen. It's very rare that you'll see anything like a, a DVD player or whatever. Maybe you'll find that in the hotel that they let you stay in if you are able to visit where right. you there's are. One, there's one hotel you can stay at. And there's a moat around it. There the is way. a moat around it. I'm, I'm sure there might be an alligator or two you'd have to watch out for. Oh, Julia, you love watching documentaries. So if you haven't seen any about North Korea yet, you owe it to yourself. Is it National Geographic? There are several documentaries out there. I've never seen a National Geographic one per se but uh, there's a number of them. There's one that's online, actually. There's a couple of them online on a website called Vice. I don't know why they call it Vice, but it's like the Vice Guide to Everything, and it's kind of a travel show. And the the Vice guy goes over there, and it's just he's very um, he's very entertaining the way he presents things. But it's just absolutely nuts. At one point, he is a, he's going to a dinner in North Korea. And that, like they're going to have a dinner for him as as their guest in in North Korea, and he's sitting in a banquet hall, as you might if there were a you know maybe you're at a convention or something like that with the big round tables with the table settings and everything, and he's alone. He's all alone at this dinner in this banquet hall. The, the whole production is being put on just for him. This is how everybody lives. Yeah, and uh, and so they basically uh, you you know you have to stay in this one hotel where many of the floors are actually closed off. You can't go to those floors. Presumably, there's probably nothing there. Um, but uh, there's you are accompanied at all times by uh, some press secretary, some official agent of North Korea. I don't think they sleep with you in the hotel room, but you know, you're know you pretty much locked down in the hotel, so maybe they're not too concerned about what you're going to do while you're there. But you can't leave the hotel grounds until you're 
assistant has come to uh, to give weird. you the tour. Oh, the whole thing is just bizarro world. Yeah, it is you so can't, strange. You can't interact with anyone in the local population. You can't, uh, you know, they don't want any of their own citizens knowing that there's anything better than what they live from day to day. I mean, they are probably the most repressive state uh, in existence today. That's probably a true statement. And uh, it's just... I don't know. I, I've seen some other documentaries about some disturbing places like Liberia is really effed up as well. But, you know, there's there's plenty of bizarre backwards places. But North Korea is really a unique case because it's basically an island prison uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of these other places, they're they're landlocked. You can, in theory, escape from them by going through the woods. Uh, in North Korea, they actually have barbed wire up around the coastline. So... You know, you can't even go out on the beach in North Korea because they don't want you to leave. And if they, if you do leave North Korea, uh, it's usually on some sort of a slave train, and you're going to these. Basically, they have uh, slave installations in Russia. Which the Vice Guide, I just watched another one uh, last weekend. The Vice Guide has a second. The the dude that went the first time went back uh, to uh, to the area around North Korea, but he went to one of these North Korean labor camps up in the uh, the, the southern or the, like the southeastern portion of uh, of Russia, basically. And so they have some kind of an agreement. The North Korean government has some sort of an agreement with the Russian government where they can send – or Siberia, I think it was. They they have an agreement with that government where they can send these North Koreans into these labor camps where basically they're slave labor for the state of uh, of North Korea. And the idea is that – by the way, there's not much security around these camps. It, it's pretty much open. But they – they tell the the people that they're working, the North Korean men that are usually in their 40s, so middle-aged men, they basically tell them, if you run away, we're going to kill your family. That would, so, that would be an effective yeah. uh, electric, you know, non-visible exactly. fence. So in that way, they actually were able to get to talk to some regular North Koreans, which is what makes this very interesting. Because you're right, if you go to North Korea... You're not supposed to talk to the regular folk. Uh, in fact, they probably don't even take you on tours that even get you near where regular people live. From what I read, if you interact with the population, you can get your government guide in a great deal of trouble for mm. uh, for violating the rules. Probably true. So that's why they went to this labor camp, because they knew it would be easier to get close to regular people. Indeed, all they had to do was go into the woods where they're lo- doing logging work, and they ended up finding a, a crew of loggers and were able to stay and talk to them for a little while until their uh, overseer discovered them talking to them and they rolled up in this crazy 1950s truck that literally looked like it rolled out of 1950 and uh, and then they came up and they gathered up their their work crew loaded them up in the truck and drove away Jesus. so they really don't want you to talk to these people it's fa- absolutely fascinating i would highly recommend that anybody uh, you know out there interested in other other cultures especially to get an idea of how oppressive things really can be out there. I mean, you think we've got it bad. Well, we don't. But uh, obviously there's problems here in the U.S., but uh, the North Koreans, it's just absolutely awful there. And what I have here, the reason I bring this up tonight is because I've got uh, some news from the London Evening Standard. This is london.co.uk. It's about the alleged only man to ever escape from a prison camp in North Korea. Because not only is North Korea itself a prison in that you can't leave and it's just terrible, deplorable living conditions where the power doesn't even stay on at nighttime 
By the way, the reason they give to the North Korean people for why the power doesn't stay on at night is because the United States is uh, is attacking uh, North Korea. And so, therefore, that's why the power structure is constantly under uh you know, under threat because of the United States. Why? Why wouldn't the power stay on at night? I mean, wouldn't because they're commies and they have no uh, incentive to do anything right. <laughs> well, I mean, and they just their their power grid sucks. Well, I mean, don't you draw less electricity at night than during the day? I just I'm just confused by that concept. I'm surprised that most places even have electricity during the day. If you look at the if you look at the picture, like a satellite photo of North Korea at nighttime, there's only a little bit of power, and it's all centered around the government capital in Pyongyang. That's really the only place that actually even uses power uh, at nighttime. But yeah, the power will go out for you know various different periods of time during the night, and I don't know what the real explanation for it is. Maybe they don't use the, the lights, for instance, as much during the daytime. Maybe that's a factor. Uh, but that's they just lie to people, and they just... United States is the great Satan, and so they they pawn it all off. All the failures of their system are pawned off on basically the United States. Now, of course, the U.S. government does play into that uh, perspective somewhat by actually being, you know, evil and hurting people around the world. So, to some extent, they deserve uh, the reputation they get. But North Korea takes it a little bit further and basically blames everything on them. 855-450-FREE is a toll-free number here. Maybe uh, you have comments on North Korea. You're certainly welcome to share them with us here. But we'll also share with you the story of this man, 29 years old, who escaped from a prison camp inside the prison of North Korea. You want to talk about a really crappy life? We'll explain to you what he had to experience. 855-450-FREE. Oh, yeah, why was he in the prison camp? He was born there. It's Free Talk Live. A technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number here for you tonight, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features there completely free, so enjoy those. Once again, freetalklive.com, and those features include listening options. We've got them. Live streams, they're there in three different size flavors. So you've got broadband, midband, and narrowband all available to you at listen.freetalklive.com and they are around the clock by the way so even if we're not live it's four in the morning you want to listen to the latest episode it's there for you just go and tune in listen.freetalklive.com you can also get info on our over 100 great radio stations on am and fm across the country that air the show at various times throughout the week our satellite listening choices including xm satellite radio where we're up on two channels there's also our free to air ku band satellite channel the webcam and the listen lines various different ways for you to get free talk live into your ears listen.freetalklive.com because thankfully, if you're hearing our voice, you probably live in a place where you, at the very least, can receive all manner of uh, information channels. You don't live in North Korea. 
where even the radio is controlled by the state. You can't listen to the radio in North Korea. If you have a radio in North Korea, it is a state-approved radio that is locked into a state-approved frequency. If you have some sort of other radio, you've gotten it from the underground illegally in North Korea, and you'll probably be put into a prison camp if they catch you with some sort of other device that could, in theory, receive the broadcasts from places like uh, South Korea and other you – know, there's organizations trying to broadcast radio signals into North Korea, as I understand it, to get the truth – uh, to the people there, or some semblance of more truth <laughs> to the people in North Korea uh, to try to shake them out of their, their slumber. And of course, the question is, how big is the resistance in North Korea? How big, you know, how widespread, how deep are things like black markets there? The North Korean state would not want you to believe there is anything of that sort going on there. And it's hard to get a, a real feel for it, because as you pointed out before, Brad, you can't talk to these people. You cannot... Just tour around the you know Pyongyang and go and knock on folks' doors and interview them. First of all, they'd be afraid to talk to you. There was a, when they when this crew from Vice went over to uh, Siberia, I think it was, and they went to a North Korean labor camp. When they told the North Korean workers there that they would blur their faces out on the video, they became more willing to to talk at that point. They didn't want to be seen by their administrators on this video and have some sort of consequence come to them or worse, come to their family just for talking to this this news crew that had shown up. So there's a real atmosphere of intimidation that is is put over top of these people. And there's a huge amount of brainwashing that goes on as well. So it's complete speculation if anybody says that there is any level of a resistance movement there, the people are so effectively brainwashed. I mean, they're from day one in their lives being subjected to propaganda, pro-state propaganda. Well, that happens here just to a lesser extent. It does happen here. You're right. But you can get other news sources here. You can get other sources of information here. And there's no we prohibition have on the that. the Internet we do, and they probably don't even know what the internet is uh, over in North Korea. I mean, if you want a good laugh, go to the North Korean uh, government's website. I mean, it looks like it was made in 1995. It's just absolutely horrible. Anyway, let's get into the story here. I've got news uh, from thisislondon.co.uk. Fascinating story about a man named Shindong Hyuk, who has actually escaped from a prison camp in North Korea. And... His story is just absolutely stunning. He's 29 years old. He loves Mexican food and going to baseball games. But any similarities between Shin and other young men ends there. Shin Dong-hyuk is the only person known to have escaped from a North Korean prison camp. He was born into a life of enslavement and torture inside Camp 14, where he was starved, beaten, and forced to watch the executions of his mother and brother. Jesus. He existed within the camp's concrete walls, which had no running water or furniture, until age 23 when he escaped. He spent one month on the run before sneaking over the border into China and eventually reaching the safety of the South Korean embassy. Last month, a book about his life, Escape from Camp 14, was published, taking its place at the top of the bestseller lists. I met him in London as he prepared to speak at a House of Commons meeting to raise awareness about North Korean prisoners. Six years on from his escape, Shin, now based in Seoul, can't describe the worst thing about life in the camps. He says that every single day was the worst possible. 
You live every moment under the intense fear of being beaten, and the guards fault every single movement, he recalls. Often, the key to survival was looking after number one. Blaine Hardin, the author who transcribed his story, knew his mother and brother had been executed, but wasn't sure why. During conversations, Shin referred to himself as a worthless individual and a snitch. Eventually, Shin revealed the terrible truth. He was responsible. Of course, in reality, he didn't commit the, the murders, but... What happened was, when he was age 14, he overheard his family discussing plans to escape. Institutionalized from birth, and in exchange for food and fewer beatings, he told on them to a school teacher. He describes feeling no emotion as he watched his mother being hung and his brother shot. He'd been brought up to believe that rules must be obeyed. Now, if you look at that story... And there's more to it here in a moment, but just that, just that one aspect of it. I mean, how crazy do you have to be? How, how insane of a, of a world are you living in when you're snitching out your own family when you know what the punishment's going to be for them? I mean, he was 14 years old. Surely he'd seen people put to death at the prison camp before that point. Well, I hate to draw this comparison, but here in the United States, the D.A.R.E. program, the Drug Abuse Resistance Education, tre- uh, teaches three R's, and one of them is report. Mm-hmm. On so, your parents. On your parents. So certainly the state in the United States is not authorized to kill you for uh, for drug use. but Not yet. Not yet. Well, I mean, yeah, hopefully never. But uh, the uh, government teaches young adults or children to report on their parents. Well, right. That's, and I'm glad you drew that parallel because the difference is only in degrees here yeah. between North Korea and the United States and other countries, the difference of oppression is only in degrees. So there's, st- there's still oppression here, but not nearly as f- effective or as horrible and horrific as it is in North Korea. That's sad. It's very sad. It is. Prisoners go to desperate lengths for food, eating rats or eating their own vomit just to alleviate hunger. He said everything we ate was horrendous, but the worst thing was corn kernels picked out of cow dung. Now, how bad do things have to be when that's what you're doing to put food in your belly? It's amazing to me that the drive to live is so strong at Mm -hmm. that point in time, because if your life is that miserable, I I mean, I I guess I don't have the same perspective at all because I grew up in a very nice environment, especially in comparison, but I feel like I would just rather die than pick corn. I mean, to be so hungry all the time that I was picking corn out of poop. It's horrifying. I mean... Well, you know, it's it's probably a different perspective when you're brought up. Uh, you, you know, oh, I'm sure it is. You're born into a prison camp, and that's what life seems like. So it's probably well, easier to accept that way. That's why I was saying I think it's really impressive how strong the drive yeah, to live is. Totally. Let's continue here in moments. There's more to his story. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Observations, uh, probably from the outside, unless there's some rare person listening that's actually been there. 855-450-FREE, your observations of North Korea. Certainly welcome. You can bring up anything. Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. 
Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features. You'll find they're completely free. Once again, freetalklive.com. Although the website's free, it does cost us money to run the site. So maybe you want to throw something in the Bitcoin tip jar. You may do so over at bitcoin.freetalklive.com. But before you can do that, you probably should learn what a Bitcoin is and get your hands on some of them. Now, the way you can learn about the Bitcoin is by going to weusecoins.org, and you'll learn that it's an incredible uh, device. It's, uh, it's an, a brilliant alternative currency that is completely decentralized, meaning there's no government that issues these things. It's not a corporation. It's an open-source movement, peer-to-peer. It is completely untouchable by the governments of the world and that really upsets the government people which is reason number one to use it oh it's actually really useful as well you can get all manner of different things and you can transact business instantly and there's no middlemen uh, there's no terms of service no contracts to sign it's just you get the bitcoins and go to weusecoins.org to learn about them and then go to bitinstant.com and you can have bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank to buy your bitcoins with cash visit bitinstant.com Dot com. As we continue here, we'll, of course, take your calls at 855-450-FREE. And that number is, uh, once again, brought to you by SACL CAI. Maybe you have an obs- observation about North Korea, the insanity of North Korea. It is a crazy place. And we're sharing with you one man's story who is believed to be the only man to ever escape from the North Korean prison camps. So North Korea itself, and I... Correct. I should correct myself. North Korea is not an island. It's a peninsula. I apologize uh, for that. It is connected to the mainland of China, as I understand it. Uh, but it's still pretty hard to get out of North Korea because most of it is uh, surrounded by water. And then there's also a huge, uh, I guess, militarized border with, with South Korea as well. Well, North Korea is the reason why the United States will not join the international treaty banning landmines because there's so many landmines in the demilitarized zone that belong to the United States. And even at the border, when they have uh, soldiers, there's uh, one place where uh, where officials from the north and the south can get together to meet, to talk. That little house, the little yeah. blue house. Yeah, there's a little house where they where they go. And uh, the soldiers on the North Korean side, the, the ones that guard the actual walkway, there's two of them, and they're mm-hmm. trained to grab each other in case, in case you know, the person they're staring at uh, because that's how, how they have to stand, literally staring at each other. Yep. They're trained to grab each other to keep each other from defecting. Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, seriously. I mean, they people just want to leave so crazy. bad. It is. And yeah, you're right. There is this crazy stare down thing that goes on there constantly. It's yeah. really intense. Yeah, I do that with my cat sometimes. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing that with a person. So, uh, so we're going to continue here. This man's story. He escaped from Camp 14, but not after him. Uh, not after he snitched out his parents, or not until after at age 14. Uh, he left at age 23, but age 14, he heard his mom and I think another relative uh, planning an escape, and he told his school teacher about it, and then watched as his mother was hanged and his brother shot. He said he felt no emotion at the time. 
because he'd been brought up to believe that rules must be obeyed, that the state was greater. The state and its rules were greater than any relationships you might have with other human beings, your this, family, your friends. This sounds like the movie Equilibrium. Well, I, I mean, movie. as far as his family, it, not, beyond just the state being raised to believe that the state is more important, if you don't grow up in a loving environment, I mean, do you feel those kind of emotions? For your family members? Right. Or? Like, I, I obviously don't know, but somehow I, I'm not picturing his mother telling him that she loves him and, mm. and hugging him or, or yeah. holding him as a baby well, and things knows? like that. Who knows? I mean, maybe they even banned uh, methods of affection or displays of affection. I mean, Right. They, Even perhaps. if they didn't ban them, I can't imagine that there's a lot of them because, you know, even the stress that a mother would feel giving birth. I guess if my position is totally irrelevant because I, I'm I just don't it's have the perspective. Yeah. We have no idea what it's like. I mean, this is the only idea that we have of what it's like in a prison camp is what we're hearing from uh, from Mr. Shin here. So let me continue. Uh, how did he end up in a prison camp? Well, he was born there, but what led him to be born there in the first place? Well, his father, whose fate is unknown, became a prisoner for being a being the brother of two young men who fled south during the Korean War. So he didn't do anything except for be their brother. And then they punished generations. Right. Uh, what is known is that Kim Il-sung had his own interpretation of the power of three, stating that enemies of class, whoever they are, their seed must be eliminated through three generations. His mother's name was Jang Heng, Jang Haigyung. She never told her son why she was imprisoned. Shin's conception had been arranged by the guards. They chose his mother and father, Shin Gung Sub, as prizes for each other in what was a reward marriage. The couple were allowed to sleep together for five nights, and then Shin's father was allowed to visit his family only a few times per year. Their eldest son, Shin Hee Kun, was born in 1974, and Shin arrived eight years later. Park Yong Chui was or Chul was a well-traveled North Korean who enjoyed a life of relative luxury before arriving at Camp 14 in 2004. Shin was instructed to befe- to befriend Park and extract a confession. Through him, Shin learned about the existence of other countries, televisions, computers, but mostly he learned about food. Park described chicken, pork, and beef, leading Shin to make his first free decision. He chose not to snitch on Park, instead hatching a plan for them to escape together. Hearing about the food he'd eaten in the outside world was the main trigger, recalls Shin. I wanted that. I wanted to eat that kind of food, things unimaginable within the camp. Park was electrocuted during the escape as he squeezed through the electric fence. Shin suffered only burns, a small price after years of torture. His body bears many scars. His finger was chopped off by guards who also stuck a hook through his stomach and suspended him over a fire. Jesus. I'm speechless. The, yeah, it sounds like, you know, Hellraiser or some sort of horrific, you know, horror film, some torture horror horror movie. But this is real. Why don't more people escape? Well, his answer to that question is that people don't know about the outside world. I mean, it's like the crazy hell version of Pleasantville where people are completely brainwashed. There's nothing outside of North Korea to them. The allegory of the cave, isn't that that famous... Uh, philosophy. Tell me more. Uh, yeah, I took a philosophy class in college, and basically, 
I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, so I'm going to really make myself look like an idiot, but it's one of the big philosophers, maybe Socrates, maybe Plato. I don't remember. Uh, basically, the idea was that if you're born in a cave and you like, let's say there's a hole on the opposite side of the cave and you never, ever go. You're not supposed to go over there. You've been told you don't go over there by the hole. You just stay mm-hmm. in this this hole. Basically, um, you you don't re- you know that's your reality and then one day maybe you decide to go over and look up the hole and then maybe you know eventually you end up climbing out of the hole and it's just what you were describing and that would probably be a, really be a scary day for somebody like that right and that's that's what the story is about why don't more people escape? He says, well, people don't know about the outside world. There's also systematic brainwashing. For instance, he was told that he was born as a criminal Therefore, he has to live as a criminal until he dies, and that's his fate. This is what they were telling him. When I was hospitalized, he uh, he wrote, in South Korea with psychiatric problems, I considered suicide once or twice. But I thought about how I'd escaped and been through such difficult times and decided I should live on. Can you believe that? He got out of this camp and then was suicidal. I would completely believe that. I mean, he went his whole life, uh, you know, being programmed to believe he was less than, you know, had less rights than a human being has because the state is just so corrupt over there. You know, I mean, they could drive anyone to to lose their mind. Toll free number here tonight, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. When uh, He says that he wanted to live on. This mental illness, he said, was due to the newfound guilt he felt over his mother and brother. He said that guilt will last until my death, he added. Shin's response to the outside world shows just how institutionalized he'd become. He says the most shocking moment came the day after I escaped and saw North Korean society for the first time. I thought it was paradise. People were walking around without guards. We'll tell you more about his uh, perspective and how it changed in moments. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. I'm being told that the allegory of the cave is Plato. Uh, Julia, more coming up here. I don't remember. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. If you want to move to the free state And you're looking for some real estate Well, I know a guy who's really great It's the Porcupine Realtor Do you want a home with 20 acres A lakeside cabin Any takers for renters Buyers and sellers too Mark Warden is the guy for you PorcupineRealtor.com This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number here, 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you there. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Porkfest 2012 is coming up in just under two months, and it's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, I imagine, Brad, are you going to be attending this year? Oh, I will be attending this year, in fact. I, excellent, excellent. I know, Julia, your schedule's busy, but you've talked about perhaps making it up, which would be, yes. which would be nice. Uh, but it's always a, a blast to be there. Even if all you can make it up for is the weekend, it's still worth coming up for because it's probably going to be over a 1,000 like-minded, liberty-oriented people all hanging out in the same campground, Rogers Campground, northern New Hampshire. It's a beautiful time of year to be in northern New Hampshire. The nights are still a little chilly, even though it's the summertime. So bring a hoodie or something like that. If you, if you don't, people probably sell them to you because there's a huge Agora Valley where – 
different products and services are being offered to anybody that wants to buy them for various alternative currencies. Uh, silver is uh, pretty popular at the uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and of course, cash is uh, is there as well. We may even see Bitcoin uh, transactions happening this year. So porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com is where you can go. You can get registered, uh, but if you want to get the early bird discount on the registration fee, which is 30 bucks, tonight would be the night to go and get registered. As I understand it, the early bird discount expires on May 1st. So get there, get get registered as soon as possible, get your campground locked in because this the hotel and the camp uh, the hotel uh, excuse me the hotel rooms and the cabins have been sold out for months. So if you want a hotel room, you'll have to sleep at a hotel down the street. And uh, otherwise, you've got camping options. Those are still available for you. Uh, go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T. You can learn more about past Porkfest. You can get an idea of what to expect. There's been live music, comedians. Uh, there's all kinds of, as I mentioned, food that's available. Lots of family activities, even more family activities this year than previously. The Big Gay Dance Party is back for its third year, this time being put on by Flaming Freedom, oh. uh, the the LGBT-friendly uh, talk show that airs at LRN.FM. They're going to be hosting the Big Gay Dance Party. Free Talk Live is going to be broadcasting live there's going to be a roast there will be karaoke again this year and it's just so much there's so much to do i can't even begin to you know get into a fraction of the things that are going on over the entire week so porcfest.com head over there get registered we're going to come back to uh, north korea here in a moment but first let's talk to aaron listening in springfield illinois aaron you're on free talk live the in brad and julia thank you um i am new to the liberty movement i've only recently begun uh, listening to um your podcast and shows and reading up on the movement. Uh, a question I had, and, and please believe me, I don't I don't ask this in snark or to trap you. I ask this in a genuine quest for enlightenment here. In, in a libertarian society, what protects children's rights? Well, give me an example of what you mean by that. Okay, well, we say in a libertarian society that parents are free to raise their children in whatever way suits the parents best. But yet if their way of raising children involves neglect or abuse or anything – you know, in in a libertarian society, what what would moderate that? What would who would hold such parents accountable? Great question. Well, first of all, I don't really much care for the term libertarian. I think that it's been poisoned. But let's just put that aside for a moment. Let's say a liberty oriented uh, society uh, where there is no centralized government monopoly on so-called child protective services, shall we say. Uh, Let's look at briefly what the situation is that we have today. There are abusive parents today, and uh, in some cases those uh, children are taken from those abusive parents by government workers uh, calling themselves CPS or DCYF or a variety of different alphabet uh, letter agencies. But basically the job of these agencies is to take children from parents and then place them somewhere else. Sometimes when they get placed elsewhere, it's not really an improvement. Uh, in some cases, foster parents can also be abusive uh, towards kids, and you can get into the reasons why for that, but it's a fact. Uh, I mean, they found uh, kids in foster homes that have been kept in cages, locked in closets, starved, and all other manner of things. Also, you can also find examples of DCYF employees being perverts and uh, you know molesting children and things like that. So we know that today's system certainly isn't perfect. Would you agree with that much? Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Okay. So how can things be better than what we have? Well, in a in a world in which there's no government monopoly to go around and take children from so-called unfit parents, uh, then it would be that that responsibility would lie in the hands of concerned individuals who may want to get together and form some sort of group that would, uh, would advocate for uh, the proper treatment or what they consider to be the proper treatment of children. 
And I would say that if you've got a situation where you know someone's being abused, say it's a neighbor or a family member or somebody like that, and you can absolutely prove that that child is uh, is being abused and you rescue that child, you would be liable for some sort of, uh, you know, if the parents were able to take you to arbitration over basically kidnapping their child, you be, you would become liable for your actions, whereas DCYF and the other government agencies are not liable for their actions. They're not held responsible for anything that happens to those kids. So you would become fully liable, and if it turns out that you were wrong, then you'd have to pay some sort of serious restitution for making a mistake. But if you've, uh, you know, if you've got proof that these, these parents are abusive, then you would make your case in front of an arbitrator, I would think, and presumably the child would want to come with you if they wanted to escape the abuse so it you know you would presumably be able to get away with that in many instances you would just have to make sure that you'd you know covered your bases and actually knew for an absolute fact that these kids were being abused but that's still not a perfect system though because what if the kids have been brainwashed a la north korea uh for instance to believe that this is the way life is supposed to be and that uh, that you know, they are identifying with their captors and they don't want to be rescued from that situation uh, in that situation, I would say that it's it's tragic, but nothing nothing is perfect. Uh, that you know, no system or whatever is perfect, and so I think that not having a government monopoly on force is is the real answer to solving these problems. I would also okay, add. I would also add to that. Um, right now, the way it exists is you're legally a child until you're 18, right? Mm. And then you're 18, you're that magic number, and you can leave all of a sudden. Um, in my perfect world. Adults, you would become an adult whenever you can take care of yourself and move out on your own. So if I'm a 14-year-old, I worked when I was 14 personally. And if I'm a 14-year-old and I don't like the way that I'm being treated, there wouldn't be laws preventing me from leaving and going and living on my own. Great point, because right now, and, and Brad Jardis, I'm sure you know this is a former cop, right now if a teenager decides that they don't want to be abused by their parents, uh, let's say that they're being beaten or starved or something like that, maybe mom's a, a coke whore or whatever, uh, and they decide they'd rather leave and find another a life outside of that house, if the police find that person, and they're going to take them back to their parents. My um, my friend Josh Youssef, who you know, Ian, is mm-hmm. uh, he runs a blog here in New Hampshire called Stop Judicial Child Abuse. It's judi- Great blog. judicialchildabuse.com. And, uh, dot com or dot org? Uh, dot com. Okay. And uh, what he's doing is he's essentially standing up uh, for himself and for, for all the families that the court system just utterly destroys um, financially and socially um, by, you know, applying this one size fit, fits all, like you said, Ian, to, to, uh, to, to all these different families with different situations. The best analogy I could uh, put forward about this is, you know, when I try to explain the death penalty to someone, I always say, you know, how many innocent people are you willing to see executed to keep the death penalty? And I would say the same thing for the states, uh, you know, using its enforcement power to try to regulate families. You know, how many innocent people should have their children stripped away from them before people realize that the solution to uh, problems in society isn't violence and you know the solution is uh being creative and the government just destroys families every day that's the other side of this because there are kids that are taken away from completely capable parents by this uh, abusive system someone finds a joint or something and tells their teacher at school so aaron your thoughts well i have a lot of thoughts um i mean Hypothetically, like if I believed in spanking my children and, you know, you in the studio did not believe in spanking children, you thought that was immoral or abusive, you know, within 
within a voluntary society, you know, it would be up to you to make that determination that I was being abusive. And I mean, I may not have understood you properly, but I just, it seems to me like we have to have some sort of third party to to moderate that sort of thing. I, I could be wrong. Well, I, I definitely agree with that, but I would also definitely agree that the state is the absolute worst uh, worst entity to do it because, I mean, government employees literally are completely unaccountable for, for what they do. So if they strip children away from loving parents, you know, because of a paperwork snafu, I mean, they're not held accountable for it. Whereas if the private market were involved in, uh, you know, in resolving family disputes and they took children away from, uh, you know, fit parents, there would be hell to pay. Well, the third party would be an arbitrator. Uh, and I mentioned arbitration previously in, in this discussion. And I'd like to stick, you know, if you'd like to stick with us in the hour, hour number two, we can continue this discussion. Would you like that, Aaron? If you don't mind, All right, I don't want hang to on with us show. here. We'll bring you back. 855-450-FREE if you'd like to jump into this discussion. Plus, still on the table, North Korea. We can come back to that as well. 855-450-3733. Let's talk more about maybe a little bit of speculation, because all we're doing is speculating. We don't know exactly how the free market would end up playing this stuff out, but how arbitration would factor in uh, as a dispute resolution service for parents and uh, alleged abused kids, etc. 855-450-FREE. SACL CAI toll-free line. Your thoughts are welcome. Hey, this is Mandrake. And this is Jay. And we're getting ready for Porkfest 2012. Porkfest is the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. And this year's Porkfest will be the best yet. Why is that, Mandrick? Because of all the great speakers that'll be there? Or maybe the family fun events? Perhaps you're excited about Flaming Freedom's Big Gay Dance Party? Actually, I had no idea any of that goes on. You had no idea because you and I spent all our time running the Georgia's famous baklava food stand. And that's why I'm so excited. Every year we get to meet so many great people who stop by for food and jokes, some of which are a little dirty. Yeah, about the dirty jokes, we should Try not to offend so many people this year. It was one person, and I thought her wooden leg was for the pirate party. Oh, and don't forget all those times you walked away for five minutes only to return two hours later. I kept getting mauled by all my fans. You fell asleep on a picnic table. Oh, right. Hey, you want to wrap this up? Go to porkfest.com and register today. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. There is uh, much to do there. You can actually create the content of the website. Go to freetalklive.com, and you can submit different items to it, uh, stuff you find online that you think is interesting, that you want other people to uh, to see, you want to share with our listeners. And then vote, because you can vote whether you like or dislike different things on the site. The most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the site over at freetalklive.com. And joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian here. And Bradley. And Julia. All right, so we're going to continue with your phone calls. And then we can keep talking about North Korea, because we never actually finished the account from the one man, the one man who has ever escaped, that we know of, 
uh, the North Korean prison camps. We'll explain more about his experience here in moments. But let's go back to Aaron in Springfield. Says he's new to the ideas of liberty and is curious about what's a you know, pretty important issue to a lot of people, especially people with kids, uh, is the question of, well, what happens to abused children in the absence of a monopoly uh, state, in the absence of the monopoly on violence known as the state, uh, the government? So what, what, what would be the situation? And Aaron, are you back with us? I am. All right. Good to have you back here. Uh, we were getting into this conversation, and I had suggested uh, the idea that, well, if somebody's really being abused, then people that care it would be their responsibility to to help that uh, that child out, and maybe that means rescuing them physically from the place of their abuse. Uh, but as you brought up, well, what if one person's abuse is an abuse to another person, and then then what what happens in that situation? So you brought up, for instance, spanking, and I'm somebody who thinks spanking is abuse. However, I'm not the kind of person who wants to get into other people's business if you want to spank your kids it's your business it's not it's none of my business i'm not going that's that's not a a line crosser for me uh i want people to respect others and different parenting styles and not force their parenting styles on people but there are certain times when abuse becomes so obvious and so horrific uh that somebody's going to want to take action so i mean you know escalate from from spanking to full-scale beatings uh you know punches and and that sort of thing or, or chain someone up starve them etc uh these are pretty serious abuses and i think most people would support the idea of removing them uh, those children from those those families but ultimately if you had a situation where somebody kidnaps a child over them being spanked uh then the parents would presumably want to take that person to arbitration and so you would, uh, you know, you would go to arbitration because you would want your reputation to, uh, to stay good. And besides, you believe you've done the right thing. And I think that in any sort of third-party arbitration involving a child, if the child was old enough to speak for itself, the child would be able to testify as to, you know, which situation was preferable for that child. Well, I think there's a reverse um, problem with the, the current state system. Someone like you, Ian, are, are, would, would find ve- uh, very offensive spanking a child, uh, but here in our New Hampshire, state law specifically allows uh, um, a parent or someone uh, sort of in charge of a child to use uh, violence, corporal punishment, mm-hmm. to uh, prevent or punish minors' misconduct. So not only is, uh, you know, is it, sort of strange that the state will come in and take your take your children away based on you know uh, flimsy allegations but at the same time the state also says that you're completely legally justified in hitting a child uh to uh you know to curb misbehavior yikes yeah so aaron obviously if you know if the child can testify on its own behalf then the child can make the decision yeah i like the life with the people that don't spank me better and then case closed, right? The, the arbitrators wouldn't have much to decide in that case. But in the case of like an infant that couldn't speak for itself, uh, then it would be, I think, up to the arbitrator in that, uh, in that situation. And then how the arbitrator would decide would be based on probably a variety of factors, including you know, the idea of spanking and how popular it was in the society in which the arbitrator existed. Uh, so it would all depend. I mean, there's no real firm way to answer that. There wouldn't be some uh, lone set of uh, governmental rules that would be would place strictures on these cases. It would be taken. They would be taken on individual bases and be judged uh, in a variety of factors. Does that answer your question or address it at all? Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. It, it answers it very well, and, it, and it's put a lot of my uh, my questions. You've answered a lot of my questions. That I if I may, I'd like to suggest a, an excellent book. It's called The Market for Liberty. And it's available free uh, over at book.freetalklive.com. If you go there, it's downloadable in uh, PDF or uh, I think 
some sort of ebook form. It's also an audio book form. And so you can download this book and read or listen to it at your leisure. And it was written in the early 1970s, but it was really ahead of its time in a lot of its ideas. But one of the most useful parts of the book is that it gets into a real detail of, of how um, – of how a justice system would work without a monopoly um, and and how policing and, and courts and things like that would function. And for me, that was a real important part of my process of you know moving from being a libertarian to being someone who considers himself a voluntarist, uh, which is, you know, libertarians tend to be more like small government these days than they are principled. And I, pres- I prefer the principle that he- all human being interaction should be consensual. So I hope that helps. And any other questions? Uh, none at this time. I may hijack your program uh, at some other date with more by questions. By all but, means, uh, appreciate hearing from you, Aaron. And uh, by the way, how'd you find the show? I see you're listening on TuneIn. Yeah, uh, just um, I got tired of the way the right was monopolizing talk radio, and I just used TuneIn to uh, see if there were any other you know competing voices, and and saw Liberty Radio Network, and decided to give it a listen. Fantastic. I appreciate uh, appreciate the heads up, and thanks for the call tonight. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. TuneIn is such a cool app. Uh, It's free for every single mobile phone operating system out there. They have a paid version that gives you the ability to record what you're listening to, but otherwise the free app's pretty awesome. And you can listen to Free Talk Live through TuneIn and also the LRN.FM through TuneIn, which makes it really easy on your mobile phone. All right, so 855-450-FREE. We continue here. Chris is listening in our nearby Marlboro, New Hampshire. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Ian, how's it going, man? Hey, I, uh, what's on your mind, Chris? I, um, you know, well, as 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 you're aware, I'm, I'm a new mover, and I just wanted to uh, quickly say that it's the best thing that I ever did, and anybody who's listening in a place where they're getting fed up with... Uh, What's going on? Where they are, and want to find something better? Then this is a this is a no brainer. I can tell you absolutely. Welcome home. Um, the best thing you ever did. That's a pretty serious uh, statement. Yeah, it, it 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 is a very serious statement, and I don't and I don't say it lightly. It it really, uh, you know, I'm I'm still fairly new here. Been here about three weeks, but so far I'm I'm ecstatic about being here. Um, you know, being We're- hanging out with uh, you guys in Keene and. Uh, you know what's going on is is just wonderful to me. I was hanging out with um, a lot of uh, great Ron Paul people back in in Long Island, and uh, you know it was a, it was a it was a wonderful thing. But for me, finding myself along amongst uh, more voluntarists and the the types of activism that's being done here, I think is is wonderful. And obviously, not paying sales tax is a great thing, especially when one walks into a Dollar Tree. I thought very interesting. <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a shock to the system the first time you come to New Hampshire and you don't have to pay sales tax on things because you're reaching in your pocket for change and then it's oh wait it it actually is ninety nine cents uh, so yeah it actually costs what you said it costs isn't that an amazing thing I feel like I'm doing more honest business it's right cool. well and and luckily for you you're only renting so you don't actually have to see the uh, insane property tax bills that we pay here but that'll that'll uh, set right. you straight well, once you see one of those I was gonna say our rent's really high but if you're from New York then you're used to high rent so. Yeah, if I, I'm I'm from New York, and I'm sure that uh, you know the property taxes here might be higher than you know some areas that people come from. But coming from uh, Suffolk County, uh, you know they're they're pretty high, and it oh, causes yeah. my rent to be very high. So right, I've heard that uh, taxes, uh, pr- property taxes, are not only high in New York, but also New York has, of course, a state sales tax and a state income tax as well, which uh, New Hampshire has neither of. So the total if, tax burden has probably if it, dropped. If it moves, tax it. If it stops moving, subsidize it. You know, it's, 
Well, they call it the Empire State for a reason. So <laughs> I, reason. I yeah. guess it's a good thing that you uh, you got out of there. So glad to hear from you. So what were you calling in about tonight? Uh, yeah, I wanted I wanted to weigh in on uh, the gentleman's question about you know abused children and, and you know I I went through some stuff with CPS when I was a kid and basically got the government involved in my life at 13 years old and they never got out and it was really just a matter of like smoking marijuana and maybe cutting some classes in their public schools. And uh, it became a thing where just every every aspect of my family's life became under government scrutiny. So I can tell you with, without hesitation that you can't get a whole lot worse than, than we have now. You know, right. the government basically taught me to, you know, obey my parents by teaching me that if you don't obey them, that you're going to be under our crap for the rest of your life. And even as I got back in line, you know, they never got out. So it doesn't get a whole lot worse. Than More coming up in moments now. here. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want, toll-free at 855-450-FREE. Conversation about North Korea could still happen. There's still uh, some more information on the table about that. But it's uh, shifted to discussion of child protective services and how we could, frankly, live without them. In fact, uh, kids would probably be better off. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Their employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect because they know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients too. So go and visit SACL CAI via their banner. It's on our website at freetalklive.com. It's the top banner there in our ba- uh, banner column. Once again, that's SACL CAI. As we continue here, uh, Chris is with us listening in Marlboro, New Hampshire. New mover from uh, New York. Great place to leave. And he's now living here in uh, in the Shire, relatively new as of the last three weeks. But you were telling us that you had a bit of a nasty experience with the government's Child Protective Services Agency when you were uh, – was it, it was a teenager, right, Chris? Yeah, basically when I was 13, I, I basically got into some trouble at school. And in New York, they have a thing called uh, – PIN's petition, person in need of supervision. And what this what this thing did was basically insert the state of New York into every aspect of my family, and they, they, they would never leave us alone. Um, you know, and if, and if they have the same thing, thing here, don't they, Brad? It's like chins or it's, something? It's called the chins petition, and effectively it's, uh, it's a way to charge a juvenile with, uh, with things that, like, you know, aren't actually crimes. So if, like, a child doesn't go to school, if they're truant, or if they don't they run obey, away from home, if they run away from home, effectively it gives uh, a parent can file a complaint. It's basically a, a court complaint against their child. And then, and then the judge gets involved, gets involved and said, if you, says, if you don't do, uh, what I tell you, then you go to jail or placement. Uh, well, they, yeah, I mean, it, depending on what it is, it may start at a, something that's not restrictive. But if you don't comply with 
the uh, the least restrictive placement, you get sent to YDC in Manchester, which is a locked facility. So, I mean, th- that's how the state plays ball. I mean, you do it what it says or you get locked up. So basically, if uh, parents are abusing you and you as a teenager run away, then the parents can file a charge against you to either f- force you to do what they say or go to prison. <sighs> Pretty much. I mean, it's unless not... you want to file a complaint against your parents for abuse, right? I mean, New Hampshire strangely has no uh, method for emancipation. However, if you're emancipated out of the state, New Hampshire uh, acknowledges it. But at the same time, you can get married when you're 13. Uh, you know, if the probate with parental consent with right. the parental consent and a probate judge's order. So, I mean, the whole the whole system is it's just crazy. It's completely crazy. It, there's no rhyme or reason. I had a similar experience when I was a teenager. I and you're I from was, Long Island, too. No, well, this was but in Idaho. Oh, Idaho, right. I was in Idaho, and um, I was expelled, and the state was involved. Several There was a lot of court stuff that went on, and um, my family had to move across country to get away from it. Like, they just couldn't take it anymore. And it definitely was a really, uh, first, financially hard on my parents, and it was emotionally hard on our family. Like, my mom was going nuts, and it was, it was really unpleasant. How did, Chris, how did your situation end up happening in the first place? With me, it was not even a complaint of my parents. It was a complaint with the school. So basically, I, I cut school and kind of was a, a, something of a, you know, had something of a misspent youth, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the courts got involved through the school. And once the courts got involved through the school, then it was a matter of, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into too much detail, frankly, but they, they invaded our home. And it was basically wow. a thing that, you know, you parents are going to in, enforce our ruling upon your child or we will take your child away from you. you Just know? another and reason they, not to send your kids to government school. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, it became a thing of, you know, um, if, if you if, – and also in other instances, you know, if you run away from an abusive home, the police will return you to the abusive home. They sure will. You know, there is – you met you – met, I met, you know, in my adventures in legal land as a child, uh, you know, I met a lot of people in a lot of different scenarios, abused children and stuff like that, who, who were forced to go back to their homes and then ran away from their homes, and they maybe didn't want to send their parents to jail – but they just wanted to get away from the scenario, and they they were returned to the abusive home. And it was an absolutely just what I what I witnessed in that system, uh, you know, really <laughs> turned me off to government at a very young age. Which you know, in in hindsight, might be a positive thing. But what they did to us was, you know, as, as about as horrible as I could imagine a scenario. Chris, be. thanks for the call and sharing your story tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at eight five five four fifty free. SACL CAI toll free line. Now, Brad, you're a former cop. You were on uh, the beat for 11 years in New Hampshire as a yeah. police officer. If you had uh, come across a runaway teenager, what would happen? I mean, because, again, you would have to bring them back to their parents, presumably. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the law, as I understand it. But what if the teenager says, my parents beat me? I don't want to go home. Well, if it were me and uh, someone made that allegation, I would... Have to, if I was in law enforcement, I would have to report that to DCYF because there is a law in New Hampshire that says anybody who uh, is told that there is child abuse, whether you're in the clergy, whether you're uh, you know a psychiatrist, psychologist, there's absolutely no privilege. If there are, is minor or elder abuse, you're required to report it. Uh, and with, with children, it's to DCYF. And you know, again, this 
comes back. But would you have to still take them home? No, no, absolutely not. Where would you take them? Um, there are placement places uh, mm-hmm. throughout the state. Unfortunately, a lot of the funding for like the legitimate, um, the legitimate um, places that help children that come from abusive f- families, that funding is reduced. You know, meanwhile. You know, they're building a death house at the state prison to execute the one uh, African-American male we have on death row here in New Hampshire. Mm. You know, so the the state's priorities are all screwed up when they spend all this money to kill somebody. I think it's like one point four million dollars. And then there's these kids that, you know, there's a lot of kids who legitimately come from 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 families and these kids legitimately need help but it just goes to show that the state really doesn't care about that when they put all their money into enforcement of victimless crimes and uh, these kids you know fall by the wayside you know there was a situation recently in Keene with a, a runaway teenager and you know, I knew somebody who knew this person and they were kind of hiding that person out which of course you know is also illegal mm-hmm. but uh the situation when you're a teenager and you want to get out of an abusive household, because that was the claim. Now, whether the teenager was telling the truth, I don't know. But the claim was that uh, mom was abusive. And uh, so you've got a really bad situation. Like, all the choices are bad for the teenager in that situation because, one, they can't work. If they're under a certain age, you know, they, there's just not a possibility that person's going to get a job. Julia, you're pretty unusual in that you actually had a job at age 14. But... Most employers don't really want to hire 14-year-olds due to the fact that there's all kinds of restrictions on when they can work and how long they can work. And there's, it's pretty hard to hire a 14-year-old. It's hard, but it's possible. It's possible, but not, you know, they're, they're actually, not jumping Actually, I noticed the, the other day it. that the 7-Eleven in Keene had a sign that specifically requested 14 and 15-year-olds. And I Really? I, yep. And I thought that was nice. I, you know, I bet why they're probably reliable because at that point they're not even driving themselves. Their parents have to drive mm-hmm. them I see what you're to work. So, and, and they probably need people to work on the weekends. And huh. you know what I mean. So they probably get these fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old kids. They work one day a week from eight to four. You know they're going to show up because their parents are bringing them. It's interesting. I mean, I'm glad to hear that, uh, but it's still pretty difficult, nope. right? Like there a was lot of- a now hiring sign, and it yeah. said fourteen or fifteen-year-old. But in order for the fourteen or fifteen-year-old to work there, they need to have a certificate from the government, which that's says- a New Hampshire thing, right? Really? It's a New yeah. Hampshire. Yes. Oh There's a God. lot of stupid labor laws here. Really bad. 855-450-FREE. So this runaway, right? So they can't probably go and work because they're too young. Uh, they can't go. don't want to go back to their parents' house because of the abuse. Uh, they, you, otherwise, you go to the state and possibly <laughs> get abused by the state person. Or you go on the run and turn into a prostitute. I mean, there really aren't very many good options. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website. Head on over to freetalklive.com and you'll find a variety of features that await you there, including the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing that they are listeners of this program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com and you can see that there, that's Shrine. 
www.freetalklive.com. Plus, the Seasteading Institute wants to create freedom on the open seas. Did you know they're having a conference? You can meet fellow forward thinkers and discover where you fit in the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading sector. It's happening May 31st to June 2nd at Le Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Now, you can get discounted registration prior to May 1st, so that's tonight. Uh, special rates are available for both students and the press. And you can get 10% off if you use promo code FTL. By going to seasteading.freetalklive.com. That's seasteading.freetalklive.com. That'll take you right to their event registration page where you can learn more about the event at, again, in San Francisco coming up May 31st to June 2nd. If you've heard about the seasteading idea, you're probably going to want to be there. It's uh, the idea of basically setting uh, setting sail on the seas and creating a society outside of this uh, current uh, existing governmental structure. It's pretty interesting. So once again, seasteading.freetalklive.com. As we continue here taking your phone calls about what's on your mind, let's go to Tim listening in Indy to WXNT. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Brad, and Julia. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Tim. Uh, I, I, I called last week. I'm the uh, state employee with Indiana from the DOC. But um, anyway, I read a story uh, across the bottom of the screen maybe a week ago uh, saying something about Florida and drug testing, and it went to the Supreme Court. I didn't know if you guys were familiar with that. You guys deal with pre-employment drug testing and stuff like that. This Was this, guys, was this the drug testing for uh, welfare recipients? Which What was this? I, I, I right across the bottom it said state employees. I, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, they rejected that. They uh, they said that the state could not test its own employees. Is that right? Okay, I, I thought that's that's. I was wondering if you guys knew. And it, was that for pre-employment or like random? Do you know? I don't recall. I did not read that, so I only saw the headline. I'm looking at it right now, and it says U.S. District Judge Ursula. Ungaro from the Southern District of Florida said the drug testing of about 85,000 state employees would violate the Fourth Amendment protection against unreasonable searches and sided with a motion by the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employee Council 79, which represents about 40,000 of the employees. So this is current employees is what you're talking about. Yeah. So that that, that really surprises me because this is, like I said last week, my second stint with the state. And you have to take a drug test and a physical now. And um, I, I just found – I read that and I found that pretty uh, interesting. I'm not I, surprised. I mean the drug testing is good enough for the rest of us, but for state employees, it's a, it's a no-go. I guess maybe your state employees should file a lawsuit and then uh, they'll have it overturned. It, I mean it is just so rife with hypocrisy where, you know uh, – Police unions will come out and, and object and, and you know and, and cry about privacy while at the same time you know running checkpoints <laughs> running checkpoints and marching right. dogs through high schools. Right, absolutely. So, so as of now, that that was overruled. Then, correct? The state, yep. Or, no, okay. no state, no state employee drug testing in Florida, at least. Well, th- this. I get, I get- this flies in opposition to a, uh, I read a case once where a, uh, a sergeant with the sheriff's department argued that when her, when her boss called her into his office, he was violating her rights to, uh, like, you know, detaining her without, without cause because it's the police. And the, I believe it was the U.S. Supreme Court that said that when the police, uh, when the government does things like an employer would do, uh, it doesn't have the same type of government, uh, protection. Uh, with the Constitution. So, you know, a, a decision like this might very well be overturned. I mean, I hope it is because people who work in the government who uh, intrude on other people's privacy, maybe if it happened to them more, they would think 
twice about it before doing it to other people. Right, and and we are even subject to random drug testing at any time. You have to sign a, a piece of paper, and there's even something that's even funnier where they started a couple of years ago that if you say that you are not a smoker or a chewless tobacco user, that they take $25 a paycheck uh, for an individual, so 50 a month off. And then there was a newsletter last week that said they would be going around to certain facilities and giving a hair test. And if you had said that you're not a smoker and you test positive for nicotine, um, they would obviously ask for that money back. Hold on. So, oh, so they're paying, they're paying you extra if you're not a smoker or they dock you if you are a smoker? It's not docked extra. It's if, if you say that you're not a smoker, they, they will take $25 off of your um, insurance each paycheck, so $50 a month. Is this meaning, a you'll, meaning you'll save that money on your insurance. Right. Yeah, gotcha. that's safe, not, not them giving it to you. But yeah, I just thought it was pretty uh, comical that they're in the newsletter a week or two ago hmm. saying that um, they are going to interesting. be random, randomly doing hair tests on individuals, and there would be disciplinary action if uh, you had nicotine in your system and you said that you were a non-smoker. Well, I think this um, this story um, that this gentleman has brought up, Ian, certainly flows in with the Secret Service thing I wanted to talk about. A it definitely does. Now, Tim, you work for the Department of Corrections? Yes. What would happen if, uh, just curious, what would happen if you came out uh, publicly as like a member of law enforcement against prohibition? Would that be something that uh, that you would support? Uh, yeah, absolutely. What would happen to you? I mean, would you be would you be able to do that in your your current capacity as a agent for the Department uh, of Corrections? Um, you know, when you, when you first get hired, they make you sign all this stuff about um, media and stuff like that. So I don't know if it would fall under that, but no government. No government in the United States can stop public employees from speaking publicly about matters of public concern. The only exception to that would be judicial officers or judges. But you, as a, uh, are you a probation officer? No, no, I'm a a CEO. Uh, no, I work in recreation. Oh, okay, uh, okay, uh, yeah. I mean, but uh, I can tell you uh, right now. I mean, having been there and done that, I mean, if you're to speak out against anything status quo, you're definitely going to uh, catch the ire of your bosses, and it's absolutely they do not like anything that strays from uh, their way. Um, whatever that way is. I only bring it up because actually here in uh, Cheshire County, New Hampshire, is a bit of an unusual situation. The jail is actually run by a man who is a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Yeah. Uh, you've worked with him, Brad Rick Van Wickler. Yeah. And uh, and actually when I was at the jail, one of the guards who was checking me into the jail most recently was wearing a leap pin. Uh, yeah. So he actually allows his guards at the jail to express on their uniform, yeah, their opposition I, to the war on drugs. I have pretty cool. I have a lot of respect for Superintendent Van Wickler uh, because you know, being especially, I mean, he's a, um, a police administrator, you know, a law enforcement criminal justice administrator, and for him to uh, to stand up uh, publicly like he did in his position, uh, I think is great. I mean, well, it's cool that he's he's also creating that freedom for his yeah. employees to be able to express themselves. Yeah, I've heard way. I've heard from people who've worked for him before that he's a great guy to work for. I mean, can you tell me, Ian, is he a great guy to be in? His his jail is it is it nice you know he came by and we had a chat one day and yeah. uh, it was nice yeah he's cool know, he's not bad yeah uh, that, yeah that that sounds that sounds absolutely cool that is and uh like i said i, I don't think that'd go over very well at uh my place of employment tim sure. thanks thanks for your call tonight appreciate hearing from you and okay. uh, and the thoughts as well
855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Although I have my disagreements with uh, with Rick and some of his policies. Like, there's one policy that he, he created. Because as a, apparently as a superintendent, he has a fair amount of leeway in how to run the, the jail. Yeah. And so uh, one of his policies is that if you are in for a fine payment – that you'll be put in uh, solitary confinement. I can't. I can't ima- I've heard this before, and I can't imagine that that is constitutional. I don't doubt that the superintendent knows what he's doing because I've, you know, I've had talks with him before. So I, I would assume the courts have said this is okay. But right here and now, Brad doesn't think that's okay. I mean, to 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 punitively punish somebody just because they owe money. I mean, yeah, he says he does it for the reason of intimidating people into paying up. You know, the idea being that they've got the money, and if they sit in solitary, they're going to be more likely to pay it than if they're sitting in population. Yeah, I think that violates the Eighth Amendment. 855-450-FREE. So I've got my critiques of him, but uh, otherwise I appreciate the good work that he does. Yeah, me too. one 855 More about uh, the insanity of North Korea coming up. Plus, uh, Brad, you've got something about these Secret Service agents who have been caught in all manner of questionable situations yep. down south. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number for you, 855-450-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com where you can control the content of the site. Once again, freetalklive.com. If you like this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us. Uh, You know Amazon, right? I'm sure you probably shopped at Amazon. If you've been online for more than a year, you've probably been there. They've got so many products in so many categories, dozens of categories, even groceries. You can buy groceries at Amazon. In fact, do you do that, Julia? Yes, I do. Uh, What are some of the recent groceries you've got on on Amazon? Um, I I don't know. You you can't give me one example? The last time, I usually place a big order, Mm -hmm. and it's it's dry stuff, so it's not stuff I order often, so it's been... Probably a couple months, but they have these uh, like chips that I like, like for snacks, you know. So like a, a chip that you might normally have to really look for at a grocery well, store. Well, they have them at the grocery stores, but they're really expensive because they only have like a couple ingredients on them. So, mm-hmm. And you actually can pronounce all of them. So um, and they're expensive and you can buy like a huge box of the on little Amazon, individual bags. So you can I can bring one with my lunch. Can oh, cool. you do like all your grocery shopping on it? No, Not they, they don't have uh, they don't have Frozen. spoilable products but there's a lot i mean there's a wide variety it is not always cheaper on amazon i i shop around you know sometimes i can get it cheaper in keen but in most cases where you're buying in bulk and it's easy i mean it's free shipping and you know almost all cases and if you get over 25 dollars uh then yeah it's usually free shipping when it comes to amazon but you can't go and order milk uh, fresh milk through Amazon, stuff like that, uh, right. or, or, or fruit. But if, if you're looking for a weird product, like coconut flour, for example, if you go and try to buy this in the store, it's going to cost you twice as much money. Mm. You know what I mean? You should just look for it on Amazon. So go to shop.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find the Amazon links. You can click into the whichever one's right for you. Maybe it's Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, or Amazon US. Click into the appropriate Amazon, and then just get your shopping done. As long as you enter through our links at shop.freetalklive.com, Free Talk Live will get a portion of your purchase. So not only are you going to get a great deal and delivery to your door of what it is you're looking for, you're also going to help Free Talk Live at the same time. So once again, shop.freetalklive.com. 
Com. Uh, as we continue here, Johnson is listening in Connecticut. Johnson, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Brad, and Julia. Hey, I wanted to bring up something that happened in the, in the news today, in tech news. All right. So a high court order has come down in the U.K. Um, blocking, forcing ISPs in the, US, uh, in the U.K. to um, block the Pirate Bay. Oh, boy. Yep. So I guess it's... it's they're just a, uh, one of a bunch of com- countries that have had this happen, but uh, you know, I bring it up when it hits the UK because obviously, it probably means that the United States is not going to be far behind. Well, we know that's what but, they were trying to do with uh, SOPA. That was one of the the intention, uh, intentions behind SOPA. So I guess if they can have a court rule on it, then they don't have to go through a whole legislative process. Right. So it's it's all the major ISPs out there. It's Sky, everything, everywhere, Talk Talk, O2, Virgin Media. And they're all like the sort of major. Internet service providers, and they've all been ordered to block the Pirate Bay. And of no. course, the Pirate Bay is like, eh, it's no big deal. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be know, a workaround. Like, oh, we'll provide ways to circumvent it. Right, right. Like, no problem. I mean, what? But, how are they going to block it? Are they just going to block the URL? If that's the case, you can just make another URL and forward people to it until they find out what that URL is, and then you can make another one. Sure, I think they're going to they're going to block you know the server IP addresses, and then probably also you know somehow block the actual domain name itself, mm-hmm. you know because it's all IP level, so they can do that. When do they have but to I mean, implement this? Has it already happened, or is there like a deadline? Do that you? I don't. Know. I don't have that information readily, and I do know that the uh, Pirate Bay is going to be offering a reverse proxy, <laughs> so that people can actually like you know set that up so that. It will circumvent the DNS servers of, of these, you know, ISPs, mm-hmm. so that you know, it's essentially it's going to go directly to, you know, when they go out to find a particular domain name, it's not it's going to completely circumvent the ISPs. What so, if you're using a, a separate DNS? So, for instance, for our listeners that don't know, I don't want to get too geeky here without explaining. Right. Uh, DNS is basically the te- kind of like the telephone book for the internet, sort of, uh, where when you type in freetalklive.com. Your internet service provider is typically your provider of your DNS, and so what happens is your computer inter- inquires with, uh, or your web browser inquires with, uh, with your ISP and says, "Well, where will I find freetalklive.com?" And the ISP will return the information. It'll return a code, a, a, an, I, an IP address, a series of digits. And your browser will then go to that IP address. So whenever you enter a website, you're, there's always this DNS translation that goes on behind the scenes that you never actually see happening. Uh, and so basically what you're saying is the government in the UK is now going to force Internet service providers to essentially blacklist the IP addresses of the Pirate Bay. So when somebody types in the Pirate Bay uh, .org, I think, that uh, that basically the ISPs will look at that and, and say, well, we can't send you there because uh, the government has told us not to. Uh, that was a very long explanation. I totally would have simplified that with computers address each other with numbers. DNS makes it pretty. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but but what you could do is you could have your own DNS service. So, for instance, here at the LRN.FM studios, we don't use Time Warner's DNS service. We use OpenDNS, which is a completely separate DNS provider. Now, I presume that if OpenDNS were based in the UK, they would be subject to this court order as well. But in theory, wouldn't having a different DNS service provider solve this problem? Probably. I, I believe so. I, I know, personally, I use Google DNS. But I mean, they could again. They, you know, who knows? They could force Google in the UK, or maybe Open DNS in the UK. I don't know exactly how that works. Well, I would think that if Open DNS isn't based in the UK, then in theory, someone could use that in the UK to get around it. Right, because they're not. You know, they're not going to be able to 
Their court, their court orders, you cut out there, but yeah, their court order would not apply to a company that is not based in the UK. And if they don't have an office in the UK, they'd probably be all right. Do yeah, we I don't think you're going to be able to filter out that traffic. Sorry, I hit the mute button. So, so yeah, no, I don't believe that they would be able to see that traffic going through a, a DNS. You know, if you're going through an alternate DNS system, they can't really see what information you're sending over your your um, your connection, and so they wouldn't be able to, to redirect it or, or stop it. I'm not 100% sure that if, you know, somebody who's more network savvy than me maybe would, might, might contradict me on that. But um, Well, one thing's for believe. sure that you can count on the technical uh, gurus out there to figure out ways around all of these governmental uh, blocks, but it's not but, necessarily... You know, yeah. It's not going to be a freedom is so scary, you know, because it's, yeah. it's like a step in the wrong direction, and it's it's scary because you know it's 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 still it's preventing that that you know, the market from dividing. Yeah, it's really, it's preventing free freedom of speech and free free flowing information. I mean, oh, I agree. It's it's definitely disturbing because the average person isn't going to know about open DNS. The average person isn't going to know about the various different workarounds that will become the available. The irony is is that what they're doing is they're creating an underground black internet. I mean, they really are. It's like they're creating blacknet, you know, or whatever. I don't well, know I mean, you've already got it. Tor, uh, the anonymizing right. service. So this is going to give you know that's another workaround. If you go on Tor, right. you're probably more but what's funny is the more that they have these regulations, the more things like Silk Road is popping up, Tor is popping up, you know, back back roads to uh, the Pirate Bay. I mean, this whole like separate sort of underground internet is is amassing and arising and it's becoming more complicated and, and but it's becoming this sort of separate interesting area of the web that is, is it's growing i mean they're they're Right. These regulations are making that grow more. Right, and Tor has become so much easier to use now. They they have this uh, browser bu- bundle. You can just go and download the Tor browser bundle and literally double click, and uh, you know within moments you're on Tor. D- Julia, you so hooked this up recently. Might not know about it. They're yeah. making it more accessible. Right. No doubt, Johnson. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. Was it hard at all for you to figure out Tor? No. I mean, there's there's some technical aspects of it that you know I don't think are necessarily put on the the foreground. Uh, but all that said, it's still a relatively safe thing to do. The yeah. new uh, browser bundle makes it very easy. I mean, you download it and just click on it, and, and it connects and it loads Firefox. And then you know, as as long as you your settings are correct and there's nothing else leaking your information, you can surf relatively safely. Pretty much. And uh, it's just going to get easier as more people start demanding these services because people want – they can pass all the laws and court orders that they want to. And it's not going to stop people from wanting to get the latest album that has been released free prior to actually paying for it so they can sample it first or downloading some new movie and see if they like it before they go and buy it. That's just – it's not going to stop people's desire to do that. And so as long as people have those desires, the marketplace will come up with ways for those desires to be fulfilled. You can't stop this stuff from happening. You can't stop drugs, you know, people from using drugs. You can't even stop them from getting into their own prison. And similarly, you can't stop people from getting the entertainment or the software that, uh, that they're looking for on an evaluation basis. And the fact is the Pirate Bay is probably helping sell more albums and movies more so than stopping sales because it's exposing people to things that they otherwise might not have paid for had they been unable to experience it without being able to see it for, for free first. 
855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves here. Hour number three is on the way. Secret service shenanigans. More about North Korea and whatever you want. Free Talk Live. Why did you move to the Shire? I moved here to the Shire because there's other people around who take liberty just as seriously as I do. I moved to the Shire because I saw videos of people challenging authority and thought that I could get support myself. It called to me, like, do this right now. I wanted to be around people like me who got it. And once I got here, I knew there was nowhere else that I wanted to be. Immigrating to the Shire was easy. I was instantly plugged into a community of individuals who also care about peace, liberty, and justice and are willing to do something about it. The people here are awesome, loving, and positive. It was for the adventure and for the feeling of something important is happening here. And I just wanted to come to sort of be part of that. Visit ShireSociety.com to read and sign the Shire Society Declaration and learn the reasons why, if you love liberty, you should immigrate to the Shire. Plus, add yourself to the Shire map at ShireSociety.com. That's ShireSociety.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. The number is 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Still to come here tonight, Brad Jardis is uh, is here in the studio. He is going to tell us about some more Secret Service shenanigans. We talked about them a little bit, I think it was last week. And uh, apparently there's more revelations about uh, some of their behavior down in some South American and Central American countries. 855-450-FREE is, again, the toll-free number here. Also, we can continue discussing North Korea and the insanity uh, over there, and specifically a story about a man who escaped from a North Korean prison camp. But first, we continue with you and your calls. Uh, by the way, joining you, it's uh, it's Ian here. And Bradley. And Julia. All right, let's go and talk to Josh, calling from our very own New Hampshire. Uh, Josh, where uh, where are you at? You look, You in Laconia? Ian and Bradley, how are you folks? This is Josh from JudicialChildAbuse.com. I'm in Laconia right now. Excellent. Also, you're on with Julia as well. So it's the three of us Hi, here. Hi, Julia. Studio. How are you? I'm super. So, I, th- I think Josh's ears were ringing. Josh, uh, tell me more about uh, why you called in tonight. What's on your mind? Well, i got to be honest with you. I, I heard uh, from a little bird that you guys were talking about the family court. And as you may or may not know, that's a particularly sensitive subject uh, for me. And, uh, uh, you know, we are just so New Hampshire is just such a very difficult state for family relations. It's such a bigoted court system. It is a system that is lawless and without any accountability whatsoever. And, uh, you know, I've been collecting accounts of those victimized by the New Hampshire Family Court, and it's numbering in the hundreds, and those are just the accounts that I've collected. Um, Mm. In the past 34 years since Article 73, Part 2nd, Article 73A of the New Hampshire Constitution was enacted, there must be tens of thousands of victims. The New Hampshire Family Court is lawless, and it is because, due in part the fact that they, the Supreme Court controls all of the rulemaking, and those rules have the force and effect of law. Therefore, well, plus they can also, and I, I imagine this uh, this is the case in family court. I know it's the case in district court. They can waive the law anytime they want, or rather, waive their own rules anytime they want to. So, rule one point one of the district court is that the rules can be waived at any time in the interests of so called justice. Kangaroo court and is that's rule one 
point two in the family division. <laughs> yes, that's how they win. <laughs> that's how they win. And unfortunately, what you're doing is you're hunting a moving target. Yep. When the rules change and you're playing by the rules and then the rules change, you're now playing a different game. Right. And uh, interestingly enough, I was just in court today and the rules changed. 1.2 is invoked. And it's just such an, a, a, it's a pandemic problem we have. We have, we have a situation where we have a court of equity and essentially they're trying to split the baby in half because the legislature... Uh, you know, with all due respect uh, to the hundred or so good ones that we have, the legislature just doesn't have the backbone, the spine, with the exception of Bill O'Brien and his other um, people who have instituted the Redress of Grievance Committee. They need to step up, need to be men and women about this, need to reform the, the, this state socially, ideologically, and otherwise. Well, hopefully we'll we'll see that happen at, at some point. But the political process is just so brutal and frustrating, and slow and just awful in general. It can really burn people out. I know that you've. How long have you been involved in this? Because uh, judicial child abuse came in uh, judicialchildabuse.com is your website. Uh, it does focus on New Hampshire, but clearly this is not something that is just a New Hampshire problem. I mean, families are being abused all across this country by very biased and and unfair and you know state uh, state courts and state DCYFs and things like that. Uh, but obviously, you can only focus on so much, and uh, you've done a great job covering stuff over at uh, judicialchildabuse.com. Uh, but how long have you been involved in this, as far as beyond just your own personal story? Because obviously, you have one of those, but uh, th- but the aspect of covering other people's tragedies. For about a year and a half now, I've been um, covering other people's tragedies, and it just, you know, it came to me that there's the mainstream media is not touching us. They won't touch us, and, you know, it's because they're basically owned by the Supreme Court. So we had no choice but to create our own our own media, yep. and um, and I know that you guys have done a tremendous job in in uh, in, in bringing the real news about what's going on um, to people, and we appreciate everything that you folks have done. You guys are true uh, champions of liberty, in our opinion, and uh, you know you are right about that, Ian. This is not a New Hampshire problem. It's not only a New Hampshire problem; it's a problem nationwide, and it started with the no-fault divorce, really. Once the no-fault divorce became popular, it became very easy to get divorced, and thus the breakdown of the family, and we all know the rest of the story. So, well, I th- it, oh, no, I don't, no, tell me more on no-fault divorce. What, what does that mean? Well, the no-fault divorce basically means there are two types of divorces. There's a, there's a no-fault divorce, which basically says, hey, we can't get along, we, we can't figure out how to make this marriage work, so... Um, no, he said, she said, no, blame you, blame me. Let's just shake hands and get out of this. The other grounds for divorce are called a fault ground. And there are several fault grounds. And just to give you an example, adultery is one such fault ground. If you catch your spouse cheating on you, um, and it, it's become increasingly difficult to, to, um, to achieve a fault-based divorce, but you're actually saying, we need to break this marriage off, and we need to do so with prejudice. With prejudice basically means that someone is to blame and somebody has to take the heat for it. What happened with the no-fault divorce, it made it very, very easy. Whereas marriage is a covenant, and a covenant cannot be broken um, without serious consequences, the state involving itself in the marital process in the first place 
is a major problem. Right, because exactly. that's what I was going to say. To me, I should be able to leave a marriage for whatever reason I, you know, I want to. I understand yep. that you know some people, it's a really big commitment. But I agree that the the problem is the state's involvement at all in the first place. If I'm going to marry somebody, it's going to be a private agreement between me and the person that I love and the person that I want to spend my life with. I'm going to or the multiple people right. you want to, or yeah, the multiple whatever whatever you float your boat. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I would have a private agreement, and if I wanted to have you know prenups or whatever, I we could put whatever terms in that contract uh, that we wanted to and then the contract would specify termination provisions and whatever that would be and it would be great to have the market decide what sorts of marriages would be out there and then people would would know in advance what they were getting into and what to expect if it were to be terminated but when you've got the government in there then it's this third party that uh, basically sets all the rules and as we've already pointed out can change all of the rules at any given whim of a man in a robe i mean so that's really where the problem comes in is right, right from and the I'm very so beginning. I'm glad you brought up the, the idea that it's a private contract and that and you rather let the market decide. It really does boil down to free enterprise, and unfortunately, it's become a an industry in New Hampshire and all across the United States. But the fact is, is that when you're getting when you get married, you are entering into a three way limited general partnership between you, your spouse, and the state. The unfortunate reality is you and your spouse are the limited partners, and anyone within the um, dealings with contract law will realize that the limited partners have absolutely no say whatsoever. It's only the general partner. When you buy stock in Microsoft, you're a limited partner. You have no say as to what goes on inside the four walls of Microsoft. Right. Yep. And, that, and that is exactly what's going on with divorce and marriage. So we need to really consider legislating marriage altogether out of the uh, out of the state's control Bravo. Josh, Josh one thing that I think is really offensive in New Hampshire is that if people don't want the state to get involved in their marriage the state will get involved anyway what? because in chapter I believe it's 485 um, it specifically says that if you live with someone for three years and you purport that oh, you're married God. that you have uh, a statutorily defined common law marriage so even if you avoid getting the state involved in your marriage ahead of time the state will just jump in because the law says oh you've lived together for three years so now you're well, officially married now how would they just jump in wouldn't they need one of the partners in the yeah. marriage to bring some sort right. of a case effectively you know one one say you know a, a, a man and a woman live together and uh, things go bad and then uh, they live together four years, one could sue for divorce and then you're caught back up in the family court even though you never agreed to a state license. What if what if you contract that out? Like, what I don't you... think you can. It's a state, it's a state <laughs> law. This is an interesting discussion and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Josh, if you want to continue that discussion, you're welcome to hang with us. We'll bring you back here in a moment. Uh, Josh Yusuf uh, from New Hampshire... Rather, the website is judicialchildabuse.com, but it does focus on things happening here in the Shire. More coming up here. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. It's Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752.
Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. It's brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. And those features include the mobile site. So for those of you with a smartphone, you can go to m, as in mobile.freetalklive.com and get quick access to our live streams as well as software that you can use to tune in at m.freetalklive.com. Now, many companies, as they grow, lose their passion and their mandate. But that's not the case with O'Neill Coffee. The third-generation family-owned business still roasts each batch with the finest beans and the utmost care. They have more than 40 varieties of gourmet and flavored coffees. And their house blend is the kind of cup of coffee that's been enjoyed in this country for decades. To show the Free Talk Live audience their commitment to freedom and making great coffee, they're offering a free mug and free shipping on orders of $75 or more. So you can support great coffee craftsmanship at O'NeillCoffee.com. That's O'NeillCoffee. That's Neil with two L's. O'NeillCoffee.com. Our number here is 855-450-FREE. As we continue with Josh listening in New Hampshire. Josh, you're back on Free Talk Live. We've been talking about the abusive family courts and how they are contributing to uh, the further destruction of uh, family relations and making divorce even more of a difficult process than it would otherwise uh, have to be. You were getting into something right before we had to run to to the break. So go ahead with what you were saying. Do we have Josh in uh, New Hampshire? Josh, going once. I'm sorry, I lost you for just a second there, and I, I appreciate you having me on, guys, and I am only going to take just a minute here, but I, uh, Brad was getting into something very interesting regarding common law, so during the break I did a little, a quick little uh, bit of research. It turns out New Hampshire is only a common law state for the purposes of probate and inheritance, which is good news, but that caused me to, to be reminded about a very recent New Hampshire Supreme Court case. This is one of the few cases that I've seen in New Hampshire Supreme Court actually get 100% correctly in a long, long time. And it's a case called Mallet versus Mallet. Just, the opinion was just handed down on January 12th of this year, so just a couple of months ago. What happened was 25 years of quote-unquote marriage. They wore rings. They bought property. They had children. They, they professed to the world that they were married. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden one day, the wife filed a petition for divorce. But here's the kicker. They never got a marriage license 25 years ago. Interesting. So the husband filed a petition, uh, excuse me, a motion to dismiss. And the motion to dismiss was granted, but also um, the trial court gave the wife, but I'm not sure whether she was cheating or not. I don't know what the circumstances were. But she gave, the trial court gave the wife the ability to amend her petition for divorce to include property settlements. So the, of course, the trial court made a disaster out of the ruling, just like the Hampshire trial court does. These judges, I just want to comment that U.S. News and World Report ranked Franklin Pierce Law Center number 145 out of 147. That is bottom 2%. Those are the people who run our family courts, the bottom 2% (laughs) of legal... Of legal minds in the state. Hey, Josh. Um, not- b- uh, before I for- uh, before I run out of time here, um, 
are are you saying I was incorrect about that? I did say chapter 485. I was wrong. It's chapter 457. But what the law says, I mean, it specifically says persons cohabitating and acknowledging each other as husband and wife and generally reputed to be such for a period of three years and until the decease of one of them shall thereafter be deemed to have been legally married. Uh, doesn't that apply to, like, uh, income assignment or alimony or... You know, I to be honest with you, Brad, I haven't done an exhaustive study on it, but I'm, I'm sure going to after this conversation. Um, but uh, I, just to finish the uh, mallet versus mallet story, the husband said, hey, wait a second, the family court doesn't have jurisdiction over property division because the family division has no jurisdiction over property that is co-owned by two unmarried people. Ah. So as it turns out, the Supreme Court vacated the um, decision of the trial court and said, you know what, Mr. Mallet, you're absolutely right. We don't have jurisdiction. So there you have it. Hmm. So that kind of overturns so, uh, that statute, basically? I mean, that you just I, read? I beg your pardon? Does, uh, that over, does that Supreme Court contradict the statute that you just read? It sounds like That's it. what it sounds like, and if that's true, that's good, because, yeah. you know, that... Why should people be brought into a contract with the state unless they... Unless they chose to. Unless they choose to. I mean, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to give you the case number for your listeners. It's um, it's so new that it hasn't actually been um, recorded in the New Hampshire reports. But if you go to the New Hampshire Supreme Court website under January, the opinion was issued on January 13, 2012, in re Tammy Mallet and Michael Mallet, M-A-L-L-E-T-T, case number, Supreme Court case number 2011-338. Hmm. Very interesting read. Josh, uh, thanks for thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it, and, and you're doing great work over at uh, your website, Judicial Child Abuse. Excuse me, Stop Judicial Child Abuse. Am I correct about that? Yeah, just JudicialChildAbuse.com. Judicial Child, thank you, JudicialChildAbuse.com. You think I would have known by now? I've linked to it several times yeah. from articles no over problem. at Freekeen.com. So uh, you're doing great work. I, I hope that there are counterparts to what you're doing in other states. Are you aware of any of them? We are not aware of any. We really hope that uh, we can attract some attention to people that are. Uh, minded uh, similarly in other states and uh, we appreciate the work you've done as well both of you all three of you people over there well maybe there's a chance this can you know things can change here because if people get active uh enough and it seems like you're you're inspiring other people to uh, to take action i know there's some folks here in the cheshire county area of new hampshire that are are pretty you know enthusiastic about what you've been up to and the a number of them are coming out to these grievance panel hearings and of course the grievance panel is something that no other state has either that i'm aware of it's a relatively new development here in new hampshire and bureaucrats hate it so that's yes, how they that's do. how oh. you that's how you know it's something good right there've been uh, various it's a real big it's a real, there's a lot of scuttlebutt about it, and there's a lot of problems. I suspect there are going to be some serious constitutional separation of powers arguments that could rise to questions of first impression at the U.S. Supreme Court over this, subpoena, this recent subpoena um, authority that, that the committees have, been received, that have recently received. Well, right, because the they used to not be able to subpoena people. Now they have that ability. This right. is this, again, the grievance panel allows the average person to file a grievance with the, the panel. And then they can uh, the panel hears that person, or they hear all the people connected to that grievance. But they'll also send an invitation to the person uh, on which they are grieving, so uh, you know, the, the grievance has been filed against. So, for instance, right. in, in one case, uh, there's a the man in a robe here, John P. Arnold, the guy that sent me to jail for uh, 90 days for standing in front of a cop oh, yeah. car. 
there was a grievance filed against him by because he's handled some of these family cases that you've been talking about, and yep. he's missed. He's yes, just Dr. Vandenberg's case. He has a petition against John P. Arnold. Right. So that was heard, and they invited. At this time, they didn't have subpoena power, so they had to send an invitation to John P. Arnold for him to show up and give his side of the story. He did not show up, nor did he even bother sending an attorney because a lot of people thought he was going to send his attorney to uh, to speak on his behalf. But he just nothing. No one showed on part, behalf of John. Part Arnold. one, Article Eight of the New Hampshire Constitution says all magistrates are accountable to the people at all times. And if that is true, then uh, <laughs> well, wait a second, that's not true. <laughs> hey, Josh, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, that's uh, Josh Yusuf from, yep, from uh, judicialchildabuse.com 855-450-FREE Great. The guy's doing great work, and the more website. the more activism he can inspire, the better, and the more people we can get here, the more folks can help him and you know take on the state and hopefully change things for the better. 855-450-FREE. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, toll-free number here for you to bring up whatever you want, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you there. Once again, freetalklive.com here tonight. It's Ian and Bradley and Julia. And don't forget those features that uh, we mentioned or that I've mentioned are, include the news updates. You can sign up and follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever method works best for you. Go to news.freetalklive.com to follow us. That's uh, news.freetalklive.com. Still to come here uh, tonight, if we get a chance, we'll talk about these Zozany Secret Service agents. And what else they've been doing down in Southern and Central Americas. Uh, Brad has an update on that story. But I want to go back to where we began this uh, this discussion tonight as we were talking about North Korea. For those of you just tuning in, we were sharing a story with you from thisislondon.co.uk, the London Evening Standard, about a man named Shin Dong-hyuk, who was the only, allegedly the only man known to have ever escaped from North Korean prison camps. Now, of course, North Korea itself is a prison. They do not want you to leave. There are barbed wire fences up on the beach. They are very serious about you staying in North Korea if you're born in North Korea. And it's just a horrible place to live. Anybody that's ever seen a documentary on it uh, would know this. If you haven't, take some time out and go and find one to watch. There's a good one over at Vice. There's a, a website that's called The Vice Guide to Everything. And they've got some videos they put up on YouTube. They're very interesting. And there are also a number of them on Netflix that you can download or, or stream. And they're just It's just a fascinating, insane place. And uh, so we were kind of sharing with you his story. He was in a prison camp from birth, so born into a prison camp, was told that he was a criminal. Uh, they brainwashed him uh, from you know day one, letting him know he was a criminal and he was going to live as a criminal there until he dies. How does that work? Because I understand brainwashing, but... Like you're a criminal if you do something wrong. So if you were, how could you be born a criminal? 
That's just what they told him. You were born a criminal. I, that's just that's the interesting. story. <laughs> yeah, and if that's what you've been told your whole life, that's what you're going to believe. You mean they don't have due process in North Korea? I guess not. Well, I, what I'm talking about is the definition of the word criminal. Like so, if you've never done anything bad, you know, if you were, I, I don't understand how you could be born a criminal, but your may, mom maybe did something it's something bad, so lost therefore, in translation. Your mom did something bad, so therefore you're bad. Well, the state of New Hampshire says if you put water in a milk jug, you, you're a criminal. So, I mean, why can't North Korea say if you're born to this person, you're a cr- you're criminal? I mean, in some, place, some places, if you're born a Jew, you're a bad person, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing. You're, you're born a criminal. You're going to be a criminal your whole life. So we're just going to keep you here in this prison camp where he uh, was raised to believe that doing, uh, you know, following the orders of the guards was the good thing to do. And so he snitched on his, his own mother and brother at one point who were planning an escape. They were, uh, they were then tortured and murdered in front of him. And he said he had no feelings at that time. Later on, he did end up uh, creating a friendship with somebody that they had sent into the camp for the purpose of – they told him to get to know this person and, sni- and basically snitch him out because they wanted him to find out, I guess, something that this guy did, uh, get him to essentially uh, – he wanted him to confide within him, this, this other person they brought into the camp. They had hired uh, – not hired, but they had ordered Shin to befriend him and get the information from him. He did get the information, but he ended up – being told so much about the outside world that he was very excited about leaving by by this point. He decided to not snitch out his new friend, and in fact, they tried to escape together. His friend was electrocuted in an electric fence on the way out. Uh, Shin made it out with uh, just some minor burns, which, as the article points out here, were a small price after years of being tortured. Again, uh, some examples of torture. Uh, his body bears many scars. His finger was chopped off by guards who also stuck a hook through his stomach and suspended him over a fire. So just to give you an idea of I how insane. I can't believe that that doesn't kill you. I guess that he wasn't. A hook through the stomach? Yeah. They probably have done it before. So they did it again to this guy. He goes on to say that he considered suicide after he got out. Shin's response to the outside world showed just how institutionalized he had become. He said the most shocking moment came the day after I escaped. And so he was still in North Korea at this point because it took him a month to actually escape from North Korea after he had gotten out of the prison camp. Uh, And he says, the day after I escaped and saw North Korean society for the first time, I thought it was paradise. People were walking around without guards. This was the moment that changed my understanding of the world. He couldn't believe how impoverished or how the impoverished North Korean villagers lived, how they moved freely without being beaten. Shin doesn't tell his story for himself. He says, it's not therapeutic. I want the camps eradicated. That's my driving force. I urge people to sign petitions and write to MPs and keep raising the human rights issue. Holding talks and events will put pressure on the North Korean government. I hope he's right. I don't really believe it will. Uh, although that said, the North Korean government is so poor and awful at everything they do, they de- they depend on other governments around the world uh, and charities to send food into North Korea because they're just so pathetic. Uh, you know, again, the commun- communist system fails, and that's what uh, the North Korean system is. It's a, it's a communist system, so they can't produce enough food for their own people, even with you know basic slavery. Well, a command economy doesn't work, but then right. again, neither does ours. Well, I mean, this economy works to some extent because at least there's some level of ability to create your own products and services, even if you do have to beg permission from the state and pay bribes to make it happen. Uh, in North Korea, you work for the state, yeah, and that's it. Uh, but again, he points out here that uh, it was still amazing to even see this communist system once he got outside of the prison camp. 
And uh, when Shin spoke at the meeting of the House of Commons, it was also his first visit to the capital in Great Britain. He says, I love what I've seen so far, especially the House of Commons, which is one of the most stunning buildings I've come across. Campaigners like him want the world to know while other conflicts take center stage, North Korea goes about expanding its prison camps. Satellite images show several have grown dramatically in recent years. It's estimated that up to 200,000 people are held within them, and Shin feels it's his mission to highlight the suffering of those he left behind. He said that people often take an interest only once something horrible has happened, such as the Holocaust. I want the world to know what's happening, because the same thing could easily happen there. What's the point in doing something afterwards? I see raising awareness as my responsibility. What are his hopes for the future? He says, I can't even predict what will happen in one year's time. He says, of course, I have hope that in ten years' time, people will no longer starve to death, they'll be better off, and that one day, I'll be able to return. He says, but that's wishful thinking. So just figured I'd share the rest of that story with you of the one man who has uh, that anyone knows of that has actually escaped the North Korean prison camps and survived to tell about it. It's pretty amazing. And from the picture, I want to read the book. Oh, that's right. He did write a book. He wrote a book. I'm looking for reviews right now because I wanted to hear if it was any good. But Escape from Camp 14 is the name of the book. Apparently hit the uh, top of bestseller list. So I would imagine there's some reviews uh, out there of this. That sounds very interesting. I'm speechless. Yeah, absolutely. Again, for those of you just tuning in, uh, as an example, they uh, he was eating corn out of cow dung at one point because the food was so bad. Eating rats, eating their own vomit. Jesus. No beds, no That's furniture, sad. just a concrete house in which they're uh, living in. I like. I just feel like being in that environment, you would be so disease-ridden and just awful. Yeah, it's you'd a be lucky to make it to age 40. Yeah. It's a concentration camp is what it Absolutely. is. Absolutely. So 855-450-FREE. You can bring up anything. Uh, Samantha is listening in Austin, Texas. Samantha, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Brad, and Julia. Awesome. So Your, your name is Samantha? It's, it's kind of weird. Um, my name, or my, I guess, the one thing they weren't able to change is my voice. But, like, my, I guess, given name is Sterling. But of course, Samantha, I am a transsexual lesbian in that, like, I prefer women as maybe any guy would, but not in the same way as far as um, I don't like, I guess, sexual interactions. So wait, thing, you're a transsexual in that you believe you are also a woman? No, like, so I want, I have overgone... Uh, surgery or the transsexual process of gender reassignment, but uh, I guess they they were saying that uh, the voice is something that they weren't able to change. So wait, you have gone gender reassignment? Yes, sir. So you are you were born a male, but you are now a female. Yes. All right, I would would like to hear more about your story in a moment. Hang on, Samantha. We'll bring you back. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Also, if we get a chance, we'll update you on the Secret Service in the remaining moments of the show, which are next. 855-450-FREE. You take control. Free Talk Live. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want here in the remaining moments at 855-450-FREE. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Bradley. And Julia. All right, so 1-855-450-3733. And if you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, get in touch with manventureoutpost.com. They've got knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. Manventureoutpost.com is family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low they can't be mentioned. Get an additional 5% off if you use coupon uh, coupon code FTL at manventureoutpost.com. Get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. We go back to Samantha listening in Austin, Texas. Now, Samantha, you say that you are a transsexual, meaning you were born as a male, but you've gone through gender reassignment uh, surgery. Is it Was it surgery that you did? Right. And you are now a female oh. as a result of that. Right. So what were you calling about tonight? What I was, uh, I guess I was just wanting to revisit uh, last night or Sunday night, I was talking about uh, the Day of Silence and how it reflects upon uh, the LGBT community. And what is the day of silence? You have to keep in mind that uh, our listeners may not have been tuned in last night and none of the three of us were here last night. So what is the uh, day of silence? So the Day of Silence is a day to remember those lesbian, gays, bisexuals, and transgenders that in uh, parts of the world are forbidden to speak because of their indifferences. Instead of being, let's say, straight or, you know, a guy who likes girls or a girl who likes guys, they are among the LGBT community, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. And so, as I am one of them living in a free community where no one really cares, the National Day of Silence is, like, to me, it's to promote my fellow brothers and sisters in that they, while they can't speak, my silence is their voice. So, with the Day of Silence, I have to say I'm a little confused by this. Uh, are you? Is the Day of Silence just a personal journey kind of thing? Because if you're silent, obviously you're not going to communicate to everyone else what's going on. Are you going to have like a little flyer that you can hand people while you're being silent? If they're asking, if they're, hey, uh, Samantha, why, how come you're not talking to me? Will you hand them right, something? Exactly. Or like, how's that going to... It's not that, like, I wouldn't exactly hand them anything, but at that same time, show them kind of like my ID or... Uh, in this case, that uh, form of uh, notification to explain that, uh, what does it read? Um, please excuse my uh, reasons for not speaking today. I am uh, I am silent on behalf 
of the lesbian, gays, bisexuals, and transgenders. Okay, so so you would have some sort of a, an outreach card, some sort of information right. on you exactly. to inform people. Right. Okay, that's good because I was worried that you were just going to be going around silently and no one would understand. So no, it's, not exactly. Gotcha. So right. you were calling tonight about what about the day of silence? So I was calling in that of do you think that it is wrong to be silent more so with a purpose than to just, you know, hey, Samantha, what's up? Silence. You know, it's like, dude, come on, it's me. Silence. You know, it's like I'm not exactly saying anything. You just get that silent, you know, kind of treatment. But it's on this specific day, which it changes each year. This past uh, 2012, it was uh, April 20th. No, I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. I mean, why would why would I think there'd be something wrong with that? It's a it's a protest uh, day. It's an interesting idea, and and people are going to ask questions about why you're why you're being silent. If you have some sort of flyer with which you can answer their question, then I think it's an effective. Uh, it seems to me like it would be an effective way to uh, to protest. I don't know what uh, if you guys have any thoughts on this. I I mean I I've only heard of it just right now. Okay. I mean, so does it seem like it might work? It's just a protest? Yeah. I mean, it's right. To, to stand in solidarity with people that are forced to be silent around the world because they are of the LGBT uh, pers- pers- persuasion. Um, I'm not sure how effective it would be, but I my heart goes out to you. I mean, I certainly support it, and I totally understand where you're coming from. I think it's going to be effective in that people are going to ask questions. Why is that person not speaking? And that's going to lead to you having an opportunity to inform them. So I think it's interesting. And good luck with it, Samantha. Thanks for the call. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Michael is listening in Cookville, Tennessee, to WHUB. Hello, Michael. Good evening, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, the North Korea thing. I Back in um, 1989, 1990, I, for, a, for a year, uh, I, I um, literally 300 yards from the southern boundary of the DMZ between North and South Korea. Oh, wow. And what what you were talking about earlier is 100% on the mark. I mean, it's just that North Korea is so suppressed. Those people are so suppressed. Um, I I had an opportunity. uh, They've been... They have, for years, been trying to infiltrate, obviously, South Korea. Uh, And I had an opportunity to go into uh, three separate underground tunnels uh, that the North Koreans uh, had. Wait a minute. You're saying the North Koreans are infiltrating South Korea? No. They've been trying to. You mean the yeah, government of I North mean, Korea is attempting to send agents into the, South Korea? The military, mm-hmm. the North Korean military. Um, these tunnels, it, it, I've been into three separate tunnels. Uh, I was in three separate tunnels in that in the year that I was over there, and traveled down, you know, maybe a quarter mile into these tunnels mm-hmm. and come to a concrete wall or a steel door and look through the glass and see the North Korean soldiers um, right there. I mean, they're just 
and you could hear the blasting on occasion, maybe once every three or four weeks. Uh, you'd hear the blast, and, and you'd see the the South Korean military uh, response units go out and and try to you know try to figure out where uh, where the blasting was coming from, and and just. I what mean, is their purpose? What, what what are they trying to do? Are they trying to send, like, uh, double agents in? Are they trying to blow stuff up in South Korea? What, what are the purposes of this well, infiltration? No, they, 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 were looking for, they were looking for a way, at that point in time, looking for a way to infiltrate South Korea. I mean, there's there's been a longstanding um, battle between the two countries. I, you know, not battle as in bombing each other but right. um you know there's there's still from the from the Korean War there's still a uh, at least at that time and probably still there's now, there's some serious tension constantly some serious tension yes yeah. absolutely um but what well, I guess I just I'm not maybe I'm not clear with my question so are you were they did they explain to you the South Korean folks what the intentions were of some of these people that were tunneling into South Korea I mean was the idea to you know send double agents in to live a life and then all of a sudden blow something up or like what's the what's the intention Well no I just to to regain re, regain the territory that they still you know even 40 years after the Korean War regain the territory that they still felt was theirs and, wow. and uh, that's so crazy as though now, now, here, here's go ahead oh i was just gonna say as though sending uh these impoverished north korean people into south korea which is you know well, far- no 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 now, so it wasn't they weren't they weren't civilians they're soldiers you know doing the they were so- north korean soldiers north korean soldiers aren't living the best life either i mean uh, the, the life no, in south korea not. is a much better life uh for anyone than anyone in north korea except for kim jong il or whoever his successor is his uh, his son i'm sure working for the state in north korea has perks though it's got perks like you get yeah. more food and stuff like that <laughs> you get to but, eat right but uh still south and korea the- is going to be a totally different world yeah. on the flip side it, on the flip side of the coin the south the South Korean civilians do have the majority of them, especially the ones around the, the major cities. You know, Seoul and and um, oh, there's two or three others that are that are on the. Uh, Michael, you got about twenty seconds to wrap up your thoughts. Okay. I'm sorry. All right, the South the South Korean soldiers really don't have it any much better than the North Korean population or military. I, I attended a week-long course. Really? I would love for you to call in uh, at a later time, maybe tomorrow or whenever's convenient for you, and tell us more about your experiences over there, because I'm sure you've got more to tell that we can uh, give you time for here, because we're out of it tonight. See you uh, tomorrow no online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Thanks, Michael. Available now, four new songs from Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. I call it democracy. Raja 
Today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at cdbaby.com. 